Host Matt Van Pelton with me today are Full Scope IT's CTO Dan Walk, CEO Bob Priest, and Business Solutions Advisor Brian Amadeo. Hello, gentlemen. How you doing? Hello, Hello. Matt. Right. Bob, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing awesome. Perfect. <laughs> Loving life. Perfect. Dan, how are you joining us from your vacation? <laughs> Just fine. Nice All right. sunny day here. Perfect. It's like you're getting a little bit of sun there, Dan. <laughs> a little bit. Good. Brian, how are you today? I'm excellent, Mac. Thank you very much for asking. All right, great. We will get started with today's uh, agenda. The buzzword of the day. Breaking down the buzzword. More of a buzz phrase, cybersecurity threats. Um... Can anybody give us a definition of a cybersecurity threat? Dan, what do you got for us? Well, I guess I'd say that's uh, when there's uh, uh, a known vulnerability that, that's uh, actively being exploited. Uh, so, you know, something you really need to protect yourself against. Um, you know, the front door's unlocked and wide open, and you know you got to close it and put that deadbolt in before you go to bed. So uh, what differentiates it from a vulnerability or a risk? Uh, you know, a, a vulnerability is something that, uh, that we know um, might be a problem, but uh, we don't really know that anybody's uh, actively attacking it, whereas once it escalates to a threat, um, then uh, you know. Then then you know that it's really being actively attacked, and if you don't protect yourself, uh, you, you're you're going to get uh, attacked. Um, whereas a risk is just more general. Like uh, if you use email, you know that there's things people try to do against email systems, but that that doesn't mean stop using email. Um, so it's really sort of a sliding scale from risk to vulnerability to threat. Is the vulnerability like when we've seen somebody's firewall login page exposed to the Internet or something along that line where it shouldn't be? Right. Uh, and and there, there's usually a period of time which seems to get shorter and shorter where known vulnerabilities turn into threats. longer it's out there. What is the definition of a threat actor? A uh, threat actor would simply be the whoever the bad guys are that are uh, trying to attack you over, over the internet or through, through the computer somehow. Um, and it's more of a generalized term because uh, nowadays we, we don't always know where these... Uh, where the threats are originating from and where the attacks are originating from. Um, you know, very often they can be assigned to certain groups, but uh, more, more often than that, we just don't know where it's coming from. Why is it especially important for businesses to protect themselves against cybersecurity threats? Uh, just like the 
door being open example uh you know you you, you don't want people to uh steal your stuff or damage your stuff and uh you know i i say stuff but uh we rely so heavily on computers these days to to run our businesses and to manage our business relationships and and our financial relationships um that Un- unwarranted access to uh, to our computer systems can uh, really cause a lot of damage. I mean, business has enough risk as it is, right? So we're constantly making decisions on a daily basis to offset those things. The last thing we need is the opportunity for someone just to take it away on one fair swoop. Uh, can we give some uh, maybe some examples of some top cybersecurity threats? <laughs> well. That, that's a great question. Let me let me look at what we wrote down there because there, <laughs> there was such a you know we had prepared a really good list, um, but uh, you know off the top of my head, uh, it, it seems like these days e- email is really the number one way that uh, businesses are being attacked these days, um, uh, and mostly that's done through phishing where there, there's emails sent tending to be somebody that they're not asking employees to access certain systems or, or send money. Um, and, uh, they use a lot of, um, uh, they use a lot of methods to, to try to convince employees to, to do these things. Um, they're very, very convincing, you know, the, there's a long history of, trying to convince people to, to do things they wouldn't normally do. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's some really great car salesmen out there, but they, you know, they use a lot of these like salesman techniques to convince you that you're doing the right thing and that you want to just keep moving forward. Um, uh, and uh, the other big risk or uh, risks are, vulnerabilities within the computer systems themselves uh, where um, either certain web pages or even certain SMS messages to our cell phones can trigger the devices to, to do things that we didn't really want them to do. Um, I, sorry, go ahead. I was, was going to say is that, you know, on all the electronic sides of things or the, you know, the digital side of things, it's just a matter of how good that person is to get through something but as soon as you press on the human factor right where the that's why the email is so successful it's because it's we get into routines we rush we do things we're the variable right and i think that's why that's such a successful uh, threat unfortunately um, but we all get uh, we all are able to uh, do that i mean even clicked on one of our campaigns myself after starting here recently or <laughs> then shouldn't say recently but right after starting here and i was like oh my gosh i'm the guy that has to show his face in yeah, an ID organization after clicking you, on one of those you bring up the campaigns and you know the, that's i know the next question is going to be well what do we do about these things and uh on on the human side uh, we do training and we run these campaigns where we pretend to be the bad guys um, and send messages with links that, that people shouldn't be clicking on. Uh, but it doesn't really do any harm. We just track who's not 
fully paying attention uh, so that we can then say, you know, here's here's some uh, good reading material that'll help you identify the, these uh, these these threats uh, later on. Um, and that's exactly why we do them. You know, we don't expect everybody to always be perfect. The, these these threats are evolving. People get better at their convincing language. You know, years ago there were. Nigerian scams, which were all in very, very broken English, and uh, you, you, you say to yourself, "How, how could anybody possibly even reply to these emails? They just sound so ridiculous." Um, but did. nowadays, they don't sound so ridiculous anymore. They're in very grammatically correct English and uh, well formatted with good, clean logos, and they, they copy the actual. Uh, companies that they're pretending to be uh, very thoroughly um, and with AI able to write good clean English for mm-hmm. you you can just ask your AI you know write me a write me a spoof email from this company and um, and they'll do a very good job at it one thing that um, I keep thinking about and I know that social engineering is kind of like similar I think right to the fishing um, one thing that keeps popping in my head is obviously we're wanting to like educate people who um, have businesses and are a part of businesses, but it's kind of scary how like businesses are attacked, but then also there's also like a personal element where I heard a story and it ended really horribly. So I'm not going to go into detail, but um, basically there's this father now who helps educate parents because even kids are falling into these attacks because they think that they're just talking to like, other kids their age online and there was um this father's son um thought he was just talking to like a girl that went to another high school in another town they this person even had mutual friends because the scammer went so far as to add all the friends and really create this profile and then basically told the kid i need ten thousand dollars by the end of the night and a bunch of horrible stuff happened in between and so now this dad goes around and tries to educate parents on how to um like have their kids avoid, but, um, what would you suggest like on a personal level and a business level? Like, cause it's like in my head, you don't want everyone to be fearful of everyone where they're avoiding human interaction and stuff like that. But is there something that you would suggest to know if like that LinkedIn person is real or even on a personal level for families to know, like, how do you verify when they go so deep into making themselves look so real online? Wow, that, that, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the, these are all very personal decisions when, when you're talking about, you know, like your kids and, and your, your personal accounts. Um, and some people just take the stance that nothing is trustworthy and they don't join social media networks or they just join them just so that they can uh, read stuff that their friends are posting, but they won't post anything themselves. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, verification uh, that that you're really dealing with the person you think you are um, is is very difficult because uh, the power of the social networks is that you can reach out to people all across the entire planet. that you may not have seen for years or that you may never even meet. Um, 
And, uh, you know, these technologies have always existed. Um, they just used to be just for like communication, like you could have a pen pal, um, but the speed of the, the mail sort of dulled the, dulled the edge of, of, of what you could really do in those situations. But now everything's so fast that somebody could ask you for $10,000 and you could send it to them a second later. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I would just say and try to give things time. Um, don't don't be so reactive um, uh, because you you can get into trouble very very quickly. And try to slow things down and make sure you're you're really talking to who you you think you're talking to, and that the situation really is what what you think it is before acting. Mm-hmm. And I guess world, like world. Go ahead. Go ahead, No, I was just going to say, I guess, too, from a maybe not for a per, from a personal standpoint, but from a business standpoint, if someone is questioning, like that's probably where they could lean on. Like if we were if full scope was their provider, provider, whoever was their provider, send them that email like to have them verify before they're just like making that rash decision. Right. That's where we would probably come in and be able to help them know if something's real or not or at least protect uh, them know, we, we have we have our own procedures that that we follow for for verification uh we you know we won't just simply take uh, an email that says uh reset my password so i can access all the business systems we go oh yeah sure we we, we don't do that um you know we will verify who they are uh i don't really want to go into the specific procedures but uh um, you know, they, they could involve making phone calls to one or multiple parties, uh, at the business to, to, to verify things. Um, and we try to maintain, uh, business relationships with, with our customers so that we actually know who we're talking to. Uh, it's not just, uh, you know, a, a random voice over the phone. Yeah. The first time I was exposed to one of our clients that had asked for, like they were now, say, uh, promoted to a new position that managed, oh, and I need access to this. Can you please now give me access to these things? And I was like, oh, I'm sure that's not a problem. And then when I f- saw the process that we followed to make that verification, like we're not taking that person's word for it, there's a procedure here. And I was like, oh, that's that makes sense, and I'm glad that we do that. And that was a big and uh, important thing for us to be able to do. Mm. Yeah, there's a few MSPs that stuff that didn't get ahead of that that uh, luckily paved the way for us to make sure that uh, that we uh, could put these procedures in place. Luckily, so that's how you learn. Yep. All right. Well, we will consider this week's buzzword broken down. Thanks to the panel, we'll move on to our next segment, uh, the tech tip. Well, if it isn't a tech tip. This week's tech tip is understand the cybersecurity landscape. Stay ahead of cybersecurity threats by staying informed. Familiarize yourself with common terms and threats, such as scammers, hackers, phishing emails, malware, ransomware, spoofers, and DDoS attacks. Anybody want to expand on that? Well, we, we covered a lot of that uh, uh, just now. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't really want to go through and give a definition of everything you put in there, but that, that does go to show that there, there are a lot of things you need to know about. Um, and, uh, you know, that there's a lot of, uh, uh, news articles these days, um, you know, online TV, print, wherever you look, there's, there's articles about computers and computer security. Uh, and it's a good idea to, to read them, even if you think they're boring, um, because they're generally being written because these are important issues to know about. Um, and to, to understand that, uh, you know, when, when a phone call comes in from an unknown number, or even sometimes it may be a known number, uh, that, that there could be issues with this and that anytime you're interacting with people through technology, it's not the same as having your friend stand in front of you and, you know, shake your hand. You know, you, you really need to understand what the technology can be doing to, to alter the reality you think you're, you're experiencing, uh, online. For more information on cybersecurity threats, uh, check out our most recent blog post, How Fullscope IT Can Help Protect Your Business Against Cybersecurity Threats. And now, on to our story of the week. This is the story of the week. Listen up! Today's story of the week uh, comes from TheVerge.com, and it uh, is titled, Microsoft Says June Outlook Outages Were a DDoS Attack. Thoughts? No thoughts? Anybody read the article? <laughs> so, I, right I read the article, um, and uh, I just want to say I, I really I, I like The Verge. Uh, they, 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 they have like a good combination of uh, technology news and um, product evaluations, and they always, since they started, have put a really strong focus on writing clearly and uh, making everything understandable to to everyone, um, and uh, I, I appreciate that about them. Um, and the uh, you know the the article just goes to show everyone's vulnerable to some attack. You know, Microsoft is one of the biggest uh, on the internet, and if the services that they're providing can be brought down. Um, by what seems to have been a, a fairly small group of attackers, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you need to understand uh, what the threats are against you because uh, you know if you're if you're relying on your your systems being up and running all the time in order to, to keep your business moving forward. Um, you, you need to have good plans in place for for when they aren't working. I, I heard a statistic recently, and I, I'm going to mess the number up, but maybe you can verify this, Dan. But I was told that uh, Microsoft gets hit um, like eight million times a day. It's, it's, what? It's, it's an unbelievable number. The amount of attacks that they're because I mean, think about what how much service they provide, right? So it's not that crazy when you think about it. But it was in when I heard the number, I was like, is that even possible? And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is when you've got all these bots just, you know, bombarding it constantly. But it was incredible. The, 
just the amount of yeah I don't, I don't know the statistics exactly but uh, you know like there there's uh, when you work in a regulated industry like banking or insurance uh, there there used to be a requirement to report all the attacks um, and the numbers just become staggering um, and there's no way to report them all uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the number was that high you know there, there's very large botnets out there um, and there's a lot of people who are really prodding the big services like Microsoft for uh, vulnerabilities to, to try to break in so um, but this this particular attack uh last month was uh was a ddos attack and uh you know simply designed to overwhelm the systems um so that the real customers couldn't access their data and uh it's a it's a really effective attack because it costs uh microsoft and um their customers a, a lot of uh a lot of revenue in um in downtime Wow. So wait, I don't know if this is an ignorant question, but when an attack like that goes on, is whoever's doing it trying to hold money over Microsoft's head so that they pay them or they just like bring it down for fun? You know, that was one of the things that was not really specified in the article and and I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere. Um, It sounds like in this case they were... They were doing this so uh, for a political agenda, and that if they could bring down Microsoft even for a few hours, and even if it was only for twenty or thirty thousand people globally out of the hundreds of millions of active users, uh, people were going to talk about them, and and eventually people would talk about who they are and what they stand for, um, and. Uh, sometimes that's that's what a, a DDoS attack is about, um, and sometimes it is to extort money, and sometimes it's just to do damage to somebody they don't like. A lot of agendas. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a couple of entertainment, commerce. There was they, a lot of major sites get hit for that reason, just to take them down just to interrupt business continuity. So once again, you know, the question, the next question is what can you do? And, uh, you know, if Microsoft couldn't do anything, it seems like it's hopeless for everyone, but, but really Microsoft did a lot. And, uh, uh, Microsoft not only deflects 8 million little attacks a day, but they're, they're very good at, deflecting very large attacks um, and they have massive teams that, that work on uh, protecting themselves and also mitigating the attacks when they do happen um, and it it could have been much much worse and uh, more of their services could have gone down for a much larger number of users or for a much longer period of time so you know Microsoft didn't just sit there and say oh we're under attack let's wait for it to end um, they they clearly 
had a strong defense. And, uh, you know, what we can do as uh, Microsoft partners and as Microsoft customers is to just make sure that there's plans in place for, you know, how your business can keep going forward even when these problems come about. I think that speaks to something we see a lot um, where well, we know these things are going to happen, right? It's not that I mean, we do as much as we can to reduce those risks, right? Or to prevent as much as we can through rather tools or education. But what we do on a daily basis when those things happen, right? How we can help that business continuity maintain and let people still run their organizations despite some of these things or reduce that amount of time that they're, they're down, say. I think that's the thing we as an MSP, right, that we see a lot or that we deal with because um, they are going to happen. I think a lot of people believe that, oh, if everything's in place, nothing's going to happen. And I think the idea is that we, re- we reduce that risk and then we give you the best possible chance of being back up and running as quickly as possible. I think that's something that uh, is important for people to understand too. Um, you know, we, we don't just put this amazing shield around you and it's good, you're 100%, right? There's always some level of vulnerability, but we can greatly reduce it and then we can greatly increase the chance of you being back up and running and um, conducting business. Um, so anyway, I think that's uh, that's the big part of this. Not necessarily what we're doing to prevent, but what we're doing to, uh, like you said, Microsoft did a lot of things during that time. They didn't sit around waiting for it to just end. Right? They did what they could. Um, which was probably all hands on deck at that point. Yeah, and at a smaller level, we we activate a lot of defenses on customer systems that uh, may not ever be activated because they may not ever be attacked or they may repel hundreds or thousands of attacks every month uh, silently uh, because they're doing their job. Um, you don't need to know that, that they did anything because they just did it. Exactly. Well, that's a wrap on today's episode. Uh, thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Full Scope Cybercast, Safeguarding the Digital Frontier. I would also like to thank today's guests and let you know that we will be back next week for another episode. So until then, stay behind your firewall. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs>